Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. We're going to talk some USC football. We got camp rolling along. The first scrimmage is in the books. We're going to talk about all that with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for the show, we always love to hear from you. Podcast at USCfootball.com is the email address, or you could call or text us at 424 254 9141. If you got any Apple products, the Apple podcasting app is a great way to share the show. It really helps us grow. If you go on there, give us a five-star rating. Any kind of review you have, comments, feedback, suggestions, plus any questions you put there for the show, we will bump you up to the top of the list. So go to your Apple podcasting app and give us a five-star rating. It really does help grow the show. And we've been doing this going into our 13th football season with the coach Harvey Hyde. He's with us right now on the line. Coach, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, baby. What a great college football weekend. NFL football is great. Uh, I enjoy it. And uh, this week we pick up the Big Ten and the Mountain West Conference. Then in two weeks we pick up the Pac-12. So how can it get any better, Ryan? It just can't get any better. We and we got football. Hey, football almost every day now. Doubleheader today, Monday. We're doing this podcast on Monday as far as the NFL. Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. It's fabulous. And the World Series. Yeah, lots of football. It's funny. I watched a bunch of NBA, probably more than I normally would. You know, that was like one of the first ones back and the bubble works so well. And uh, I've been watching a bunch of uh, NFL when I can. I've, I've sort of like, it's almost like I'm on a diet coach. I've not watched as much college football. Like I watched a bunch of the uh, Georgia-Alabama game. But, like, I've been doing other things on Saturday, I guess maybe in anticipation for when the Pac-12 season starts. So I haven't been as much, you know, glued to college football like I normally would be or going and, you know, going to the Coliseum to to work a game. But I think now that the Big Ten is back, I'm sort of going to get back into it now. But this is going to be a rough, we've talked about this before, a rough couple of weeks. You're going to see, you know, Ohio State and Nebraska. Um, you're going to start seeing the Michigans and the Iowas and all these teams playing and you're like oh man like it's it's just not that that two weeks with Big Ten football and even Mountain West football and no Pac-12 football is going to be a rough one it is going to be especially on the west coast and just imagine how tough it's been on the players when the players go home or watch it on the weekend or watch a Friday night game or whatever thinking that gosh darn it we should be playing now how come we're not playing uh we're getting behind uh and all of the enthusiasm, and again, you can't get them too ready to play because really they'll start playing now, and you don't want them playing now. You want them playing the weekend of the 6th and 7th. Plus, you know that they're not playing at the same level of consistency and the same level of intensity that these other schools have been playing for four or five weeks. We've got schools that are 5-0, and 5-0 and already, and maybe 7-0 and before the Trojans play. So you know that they're at, a, at an advanced stage, and the Trojans will be playing like their first game of the year. Yeah, it's. Uh, 
I don't know. I'm I, I, when I sit down and watch, and you know, Fox is going to make a big deal. Uh, you know, Fox is going to be a big part of the Pac-12, but they're really excited to have. Uh, I think Fox has seven games this coming weekend. Uh, you know, they'll have their big noon kickoff game. They're going to really embrace the Big Ten. So for the players, for all of us, it's going to be kind of tough to watch. Where you know, now you have four Power Five conferences playing and not the Pac-12. So we'll. We'll see how this weekend and the next weekend uh, turns out before November 7th when USC opens against Arizona State. And to get ready for that, Coach, uh, Clay Helton, uh, we had a Zoom meeting with him this morning, Monday morning, talking about uh, recapping the weekend. And it was Saturday's scrimmage in the Coliseum. It was an early morning affair. They'd ran 60 plays, really tried to recreate what game day would be like uh, because... They're going to have that early morning game. So they got up at like six in the morning. They all got tested for coronavirus, like just like they would for, you know, the big noon kickoff on November 7th, a 9 a.m. Pacific time game. Uh, they had have some breakfast and I think they had a meeting and then they would head over uh, to the Coliseum. And, um, you know, Clayton talked about it. He was really happy. There wasn't any injuries, which was a good thing. Keaton Slovis had his best day of camp. Uh, but one of the things that caught me that was interesting, Coach, was Clayton said the one thing they have to learn is how to bring your own energy and do you know seeing game day, all those traditions for game day. There's a crowd, obviously. Uh, the Trojan marching band is there. They're playing when they're coming down the tunnel. All that noise and energy is just going on in the Coliseum, and. When you're doing a scrimmage, it's there's not going to be that energy. But this is what the games are going to be like now. There's not going to be that energy. So a big part of this was, hey, the players have to be able to fire themselves up, bring their own energy because the normal stuff that you would feed off of as a player, coach, isn't going to be there. You're exactly right. So it has to come from within, and it's part of preparation. And I'm glad they're over at the Coliseum doing it because it's going to be exactly like game day. And you've got to remember to tell that team that other team's coming over to kick your butt. So you better get ready and defend yourself. Otherwise, you're going to be pretty embarrassed on the type of program we have and how we prepare for this game. Just pretend like there's nobody in the stands. And if you want noise, uh, we'll play music and noise and crowds and USC fighting band music and try to make it as close as we can to a home game. Just don't look in the stands. Look at your opponent. Be into the game. See what you're uh, what you're supposed to be doing. Don't make mistakes. All of the above, and, and you just stay with that, and you push that, and they have to experience that. One thing I would do when I was a head football coach, and I was experiencing something new, like I'm going to play BYU, which I did. I'm going to play BYU in Provo, and I, I would call other coaches that played up there, and I would say, tell me about playing at Provo. What's the locker rooms like? What would you suggest that you do different, or what did you like that you did? What are the some, some of the things that I should be prepared for as far as getting ready to play up, up, up there, the altitude, the weather, whatever? And I'd call other, other schools. Now, what Coach Clay Helton should do is call some of his friends and obviously that are in coaching that have gone through this and still are going through this right now as far as what would you suggest? How did you get your team ready to play? What worked? What didn't work? All of these type of things. You know, you have confidence in a coach that you respect. And you find out what his real thoughts are. So coaches are into it more than the FBI's into it. Believe me, they can. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you, they are. As far as stealing secrets and trying to find out what people are doing. So I think that's something he should do. I, I hope he's doing that, and I'm sure that 
his assistant coaches are calling some of their friends and asking what happened to your first game. Was there a change? Did you, was your team ready to play? Did you, you know, all those different type of things that make a difference in a football game. So I think that's what you have to do on top of getting your team ready for it and preparing them for it in the way you can. The, uh, as far as standouts go, um, some of the guys that Clay Helton mentioned by name, and he's been doing a pretty good job of actually calling out some of the players. I mean, he mentioned Keaton Slovis having his best day, just making good decisions, said like, you know, he was backed up into his own end zone, uh, you know, didn't throw any errant passes, wasn't, you know, putting the team in a bad position, really just doing the right things and, and managing the game. Uh, you know, Stephen Carr, he liked a lot, you know, with a couple of guys like, you know, Vivai Malapai and Stephen Carr, you know, I'm not Stephen Carr, uh, and uh, Marquis Step banged up a little bit. Stephen Carr has stepped up, you know, so really only him and uh, Keaton Christian and, and the, the former walk-on Quincy Jonte, like as the, the scholarship running backs back there, Carr apparently just tore it up on Wednesday in their first day of uh, fall camp in full pads and really was hitting the hole strong and wasn't dancing around like we, we you know, seen him before. So I think he's stepped up. Uh, Brew McCoy is someone that looks like he can contribute. And, uh, you know, the former five-star receiver, it would be a, you know, big boost for this receiving core if he's able to be, you know, something special out there. The brothers, uh, Marlon Tui-Piloto and his brother Tuli have both uh, got praise uh, fr- from Clay Helton and, and Tuli Tui-Piloto, who, you know, came in and, Looks like he can be a contributor as well, but Marlon's got to step up his game with, uh, you know, Jay Tefele not being there. And some of the secondary he talked about, like Elijah Griffin, called him the Energizer Bunny. As far as bringing energy coach, he's someone that does that, and you're going to have to do that uh, without fans in the stands. So some of the, uh, you know, there's some definitely some interesting standouts that Clay Helton uh, pointed out. I agree, and I'll tell you what, these kids have had an opportunity on Saturdays so far for five weeks to watch college football. The backs have watched college football. They've seen the way people run the football in the Southeastern Conference and the ACC and the physicality that's being played. You know, normally when you play a football game and you're in the season at the same time, you don't really have a chance to watch a football game. You're getting ready for your own game. So I think this has really been a lesson for them to see the running game and the way the backs hit the hole and and fall forward and get to the second level and the offensive linemen, watch the offensive linemen of the other teams and defensive linemen and defensive backs and all of that. I really think, you know, and they watch three or four games a day. Uh, I think this is a, a good thing as far as for USC, as far as the emphasis of the running game and how I've been talking about that and the use of the tight end and as far as putting pressure on the quarterback and as far as containing the quarterback and all of these different things, it's good to see this and listen to the announcers and other people talk about it so they know exactly what they're seeing, what they need to do. But they don't normally put games on television unless they're pretty good teams and teams they want to play in a bowl game or in a playoff type of situation. So it's a real good learning situation for them, too. So I'm glad he's saying that the backs look good, but you know how I feel about the running game and the tight ends. He didn't say much about that, I guess. And as far as the defensive side of the football, you know, you look at them and they're really at a disadvantage. But he said Keaton looked good. Well, sure, he's going to look good. Nobody's going to knock him down. Nobody's going to hit him. He doesn't have to worry about that. He's not going to throw an interception, but he knows he's not going to be hit physically. So the defense has to back away. So the offense has an advantage there as far as the passing game, but you can't lose, Keaton. I mean, you only have two scholarship quarterbacks. 
So you're going to hear that a lot, but uh, he's a great player. And if you give him the protection, I'd like to know what he thought about the protection and how his offensive line is coming along. These are all the things that make a difference as far as a successful season. Yeah, you know, they were pretty positive. He, t- he did talk about the, like, the backup quarterback situation a little bit with uh, you know Matt Fink being a professional and Mo Hassan, the transfer from... Uh, you know, having some experience in the SEC at Vanderbilt. And, uh, you know, it, it sounded like he wasn't as, as high on most on he's getting better. And, and you know, but he, he was throws an accurate ball. He looked good in like some of the drills, but still has to learn the system. But you're right. They, you know, I mean, they can't lose Keaton Slovis. And they've been on everyone we've talked to, Coach, seems to be pretty positive about the offensive line. And I think I'm I'm getting a little more positive, too, about it. It looks like they're going to go uh, Elijah Vera Tucker at left uh, tackle. Uh, Andrew Voorhees at, at left guard, uh, Brett Nealon at center, um, Liam Jimmins at right guard, and then uh, Jalen McKenzie at right tackle. It seems like you know we don't get to watch. We get to see little clips and some photos, but that's what we've been able to kind of gather from what it's going to be. But they, you know, there's going to be – you got opt-outs from Frank Martin. You got opt-outs from Bernard Shermer. So they're more some of the veteran guys. Um, that could have been in the two deep. You're probably going to see some of these um, younger freshmen uh, on the two deep. And I don't know, you know, the, the coaches are saying that, that these guys are big and strong and they seem like ready. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, him, those five guys I mentioned, Justin Dietrich seemed like a pretty good uh, top six. And then they'll try to build out a little bit more than that. But it's, it's a, it's a little thin, I would say, coach, at least as far as proven talent goes. But those guys, you know, there's a lot of starts in that, that group, a lot of playing time. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little optimistic if the offensive line can stay healthy. If you get a guy or two hurt, I, I don't know what it's going to happen, but you know, bringing Elijah Vera Tucker back was just, it was just huge. I think it just helped everything. And uh, you know, having an Andrew Voorhees come back with some, you know, he's got, I think the second most snaps on the team uh, outside of uh, Tyler Vaughn. So uh, you know, not having him last year, it's a big deal to get him back too. I agree with you 100%. And they got their veterans on the left side. So they got uh, Keaton's backside as far as his blind side. And, and I think that's a smart thing to do. And they got more of their big guys, power guys on the right side. So I think that's what I would be doing too. And uh, I, I think that's what you go with. You know, you really don't need, if you have injuries, if you, if you don't have any injuries, you don't need more than five, six guys. You really don't. You just play them and away you go. Now, so far in camp, no major injuries. And I think that's great. And they say they're having a physical camp. We don't know that because we're not there. And I don't know what they call physical or what we call physical or I call physical. But you've got to condition the body as far as getting ready for contact. And you've got to practice that way. Otherwise, your body's not used to it. So I hope they're doing that. And, you know, Ryan, I heard you and Keeley and uh, Shotgun talking about uh, medias, media not being able to go to uh, practice and so on. I, I really do think it's a little bit ridiculous that on Saturday when they have a scrimmage, and I'm saying this, you're not saying this, okay? I'm saying that, that they can't allow the media that they know is real media, like yourself, or if I ask to go, or somebody that when we do so much USC Trojan uh, football and talk, that, you know, they could put me 20 rows away from you, okay? 20 rows from you and bring me in one tunnel that are three tunnels away from you. And I'll be able to be fine. And I won't come and see you, and you won't come and see me, and I won't see anybody, okay? It's all right for me in this county to go to the beach or go to rallies or go wherever else where people aren't wearing masks. 
It's all right. The county says it's fine. Okay, you could do that. Now, is it USC or is it the county health that won't let us in there? We don't want to jeopardize the players, but I think it's our obligation to the fans and everyone to tell them what we think. And I like to evaluate the players. I like to evaluate the new players. And when you ask me about the offensive line, I can't tell you about the offensive line. But if you let me see at least once a week the scrimmage portion of it, you won't even know I'm there. I don't have to sit in a press box. But I really think that uh, the sports information department should devise a way that we can do that. But I think we owe it to the fans. We need to get the word out for recruiting the players, the parents, so that the high school kids know what's going on. And there's articles in the newspaper and every other thing about USC Trojan football. And same with thing with UCLA. I mean, I think we're really hurting ourselves as far as with our two Southern California programs, but not by not allowing the media and the people to care and get it out to the people what's going on. And I just say it's strong. I really think it's wrong. Yeah, it'd be great if we were able to do that. I know campus is closed, but, um, you know, if you're talking about... We're not about, on campus right. at the Coliseum. Yeah, you're going we're to the Coliseum. We're not on campus. So we'll we'll put some more inquiries in to see if that's something that could actually uh, uh, that actually could take place. Um, you know, it's I think the media coverage is important, especially you're trying to get things rolling. I know uh, John Canzano reported earlier that um, they they did a lot more coverage of the Oregon Ducks. So he covers, uh, you know, he's up in uh, in Oregon, does a great job covering the Pac-12. Uh, there was a lot of Oregon Ducks coverage, and there wasn't as much Oregon State program. Um, and Oregon State didn't want coverage of their scrimmage, so that you're going to get less coverage in the the newspaper or on, online or whatever. And um, I think to get this, you know, to get the fans fired up again, because there's a lot of fans that just aren't uh, for a shortened season, and they aren't because of who the head coach is. If there's any opportunities to get more coverage of your, you know, especially like scrimmages on Saturdays. I think that's a, a you know, missed opportunity by USC. So uh, hopefully they're working be- behind the scenes to make something like this happen. We'll keep trying to put some pressure on them. But yeah, I I agree with you, Coach. I think it would help a lot to be able to ha- you know go out there and and view things for ourselves and say, hey, here's what we've seen uh, with this team, and and it'd be very helpful for the fans. Right, and Ryan, I don't want to tell everybody what they're wanting me to tell people what they think. I want to have my own opinion. I'd like to hear uh, Ryan Katari's opinion with the Times or uh, somebody uh, that writes for another newspaper, his opinion, your opinion, everybody's opinion, and then we put our opinion together. This is the first time that I got up. Well, it's not the first time. I got up Sunday morning to read about the scrimmage. No article in either paper or any paper I saw regarding USC scrimmage on Saturday. None. Hey, there's competition in Southern California. There's the Rams. There's the Chargers. Uh, there's the Lakers who just started the world champions. Uh, there's a world series now Dodgers. I mean, you got to get your face out there, man. You got to get out and compete as far as with these players, because these high school players in California are watching all these other teams play every Saturday and Friday. They're getting exposure and they're getting recruited. So I would think you're doing them a service to get that type of word out. So I don't really understand that. Okay. Yeah. And if you go to a, a tunnel vision or one of these things are you guys do not, not tunnel vision, but uh, just ask them, just ask, ask Clay Elton. Clay, do you think that, uh, that you're getting out what you think you should get out to people? Yeah, no, it's a good point. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work on that coach. We'll see what we can do. Um, one of the things Clay Elton said this morning, which I thought was interesting, 
He said the next six days was going to be the, quote, toughest week of camp for USC players. He said there'll be a lot of focus on winning one-on-one battles uh, down on the field. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. With you, you know, you don't have a lot of time to get ready. Maybe it's just because this week is going to be the most physical. But I, to me, I would worry a little bit, Coach, about them kind of tapering off like they have in the past, and maybe not, you know, doing as much emphasis on the physical nature of practice. Like we heard Todd Orlando last week, and just really, that's all he wanted to do was get out there and hit and see what people could do, uh, you know, in full pads. So, I, I mean, maybe should USC fans or do you feel any concern that this was going to be the toughest week or is that kind of typical what you're doing for fall camp that maybe that second week and then things maybe are a little bit more on game planning uh, going forward? Well, I would think this should be a, <clears throat> a, a, a tough week. I think it should be a lot of hitting. <clears throat> excuse me, guys. <clears throat> as much hitting <clears throat> as much hitting as you can get in this week, uh, legally, as far as the rules and regulations and pads. Uh, I've always said this, and you've heard me say this, you don't learn the game by watching or, or walking through things. You'll learn the game by playing football. You've got to hit live targets. You've got to be, put yourself in the game type of situation. I've been saying this over the last several years, you don't polish. And then on Saturday, you go out and play a game. It doesn't work doesn't work. You've got to learn what the physical part of football really is. And that's playing football. Now, next week, you could uh, maybe have uh, two uh, days of real hitting, like Wednesday and uh, Saturday. You go out on Saturday and Halloween, have your Halloween party and have a nice scrimmage. Make it a game type of situation as far as headsets and the whole thing. Practice it all. Do it the regular time, like six, or get up at six again, get out on the field at nine, and then practice every single day at that time. Be on the field at nine o'clock in the morning. Every single day, getting ready for that and condition your body more and more and more for the kickoffs on the seventh at 9 a.m. I talked about this last week, and if they don't do this, they're going to hurt themselves, but you just can't all of a sudden wake your body up and play football at a certain time. Your body becomes conditioned to doing things at the same time every day. So you've got to sort of go and have your body get yourself used to that. Yeah. Apparently with the, 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 you know, class schedule, they weren't able to do, or I don't know, but whatever, that, that was one of the issues with having morning practices. They, they are doing it on Saturdays, but just not every day during the week. Um, Then also last thing before we jump into questions Injuries. Uh, so we know, and uh, you know, Juliano uh, Giuliano Falanico, he had a severe ankle sprain. We reported this in the war room, and he's going to be out for several weeks. So, um, so certainly some issues at the linebacker depth. Uh, he's more of an outside uh, guy. They've had a couple inside linebackers that were hurt. So Falanico uh, out, you know, several weeks. Also, a couple defensive backs, Dorian Hewitt. He had a back strain on the first day of full pads last Wednesday, but he's expected to come back. And then uh, Jaden Williams, also another defensive back, he's day-to-day. So the, neither of those guys seem all that serious. And uh, Kanai Malga, maybe this one's probably the most important coach. He had a hamstring injury, been a lot of hamstring injuries, but uh, Helton thinks he'll be ready for, for Arizona State. That inside linebacker group, you know, you already lost uh, Jordan Iacefa. Uh, you already lost Solomon Tuialapupu. So... Um, Kanai Malga and I think uh, Ray and Goforth are going to be probably competing for one of those spots. So they, they can't really afford to have him out that long. 
Well, you're going to have some casualties when you get ready for war, okay? But you got three or four guys that have nicks here and there, but the other 75 guys or 80 guys got better, okay? And that's what you have to worry about. Sure, you don't want injuries. You'll go every, I used to look away when somebody would get up and limp away. I wouldn't want to watch him. Then I'd turn back and say, oh, he's going to be okay. And I'd give him thumbs up, or he'd look at me and give me a thumbs up, like, I'm going to be okay. So you're going to have a few injuries uh, while you get ready uh, for combat. And and uh, so some of these guys uh, will get banged up. You hope nobody's serious. But these are not career-ending. They'll come back. They'll be ready to play. But the rest of the team got better. And that's what you have to worry about. You can't worry about, oh, well, we might lose somebody. Yeah, you don't want to lose anybody. But you got to get better. Because these other teams are working on things, too. And we got to work harder and be more ready to play than they are. Yeah. All right, we, uh, let, why don't we take a quick break, Coach, and we'll come back and answer some uh, listener questions. Back in a minute. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. All right, we're back here on the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, Coach, let's go to Bobby from Chico. He wrote in a practice question. He said, hello, everybody. Love the show. Well, thanks, Bobby. When I watch the Big 12 and even most of the SEC teams, I'm reminded that this is exactly how USC plays. Are we seeing exactly what we thought we'd see? If you practice and don't tackle, due to COVID or as usual at USC, don't take advantage of your available practices that you don't tackle. You'll become to look, you'll, you'll look inconsistent. Just seems too familiar. Your thoughts fight on class of 2004, Bobby from Chico. So I think he's commenting that there's a lot of, there's not as much defense being played coach. And there's some, some poor tackling on display. If you're watching uh, college football across the board. Well, Bobby, I think uh, these kids are seeing the same thing, and you learn from mistakes of other people. 
And again, there's a lot of changes in college football, too, because uh, people are emphasizing the run more. And people uh, have got to get used to tackling these physical backs running down the field full speed, and, and they're getting knocked off. You're trying to block them down, and you can't block these guys down. You've got to tackle. And uh, I think that uh, uh, the running game is getting stronger and it's making a return because a lot of these defenses are all designed for stopping the pass. And I think people now are taking advantage of the running game. I certainly would, and I've talked about that a lot. With your play-action passability, you're a better football team completely. You can run the football, get two, te- two first downs, and you win a football game. You say, guys, get me two first downs, we're going to win this football game. And you got to be able to believe that. And you got to be able to tackle defense, go in and stop them, get us the ball back, we're going to win this football game. And the defense has got to know that they can stop and they can tackle. And they have to work a lot on targeting. Because if you don't practice and you don't get ready for that, you're going to get called on ta- a lot of targeting. Because you've got to get used to tackling something that when you're up high, that if he doesn't come down, you're going to target him. So you've got to give these guys an opportunity of tackling a lot so they get used to not targeting and they don't get penalties or have to sit out a half or, and make a big wrong decision, not intentionally, but just because it happened, because they aren't used to it as far as the tackling portion of it. So I think you have to do that. And I tell you, I would be, I'd be going live, take them to the ground, do the whole thing, and then coach off the tape, take them all in and show them, coach off the tape, the whole thing, and I don't know if they're taking them to the ground or not, but they, they go to the ground and uh, play real football and see if my receivers are blocking and to see if they're doing what they're supposed to do. Because on offense, and I think I've said this before on this show, on offense, every single play is a physical play for an offensive football player. Every single play. Because every single person is involved. No one can make a mistake. If someone makes a mistake mentally or physically, you don't make a you don't make a yard. On the defensive side of the football, yeah, you play physically, but you might do the wrong thing occasionally and make a great play, and nobody says anything about it. They say, "What a great play!" Because, but on offense, it's a little bit different. On defense, you just fly around, and when a guy makes a tackle, you run over there and count and see how many helmets are over there that are your color next to it, not just him. But the other ten helmets are there too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just fly around on defense, and sometimes you're in the rock spot and you make the play. That just <laughs> works. So, um, we got a, a voicemail question for you, Coach. Our buddy Curtis called in. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This one is for you. I heard the defensive coordinator say to the players, "You don't have to rise to the occasion. You have to fall to your level of training." Our practices are going to be so hard. The games are going to be easy. Reflect back because you were covering the team when Pete Carroll was there. He went one against one, first string against first string at practice, went real hard, so the games were easy. Do you remember how the injuries were at that time? I think we're going to be real thin but real good because we're going to get injuries at practice. Curtis from Moreno Valley. I'll jump in real quick, Coach, since he's, he directed this one at me. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of people that talk, and I'd love to get Coach Hyde's thoughts on this, about making practices harder than games. But a lot of it's talk. Like, Pete Carroll actually did that. And I, I think Todd Orlando is someone that advocates for that and wants to do that. 
Um, you know, we're going to have to see. I think the proof is in the pudding. This is not one of those things where you just take a coach's word for it. We can't watch. We don't know. Um, you know, one of the things that, that Pete Carroll did, it was like just there wasn't any breaks really during practice. You were running from one place to the other. It was really efficient. There was a lot going on. And I remember the Oklahoma, you know, before the Orange Bowl, Oklahoma press came and watched one of the USC practices. And they're like, oh, they're not even running like – sprints after practice. I was like, well, they didn't have to because they were running the entire time during practice. There wasn't downtime. They just went from this one to this and everything was go, go, go. And like Curtis said, uh, you know, ones versus ones and good on good. And there was, there was a lot of that. And I don't think there was a, just from my memory, there was a abnormal number of, of injuries. I mean, football injuries happen if you're tackling or not. I mean, you can just, you're, you're out there playing football in shorts and and, and helmets and T-shirts, um, you know, just jerseys or whatever, you can get injured that way too. I don't think just, well, we're tackling, so that's where you get injured. There's just injuries can happen on the football field. So I don't think the injury situation was all that different. Um, and I feel like they took advantage of a, a different time in college football when you could have, you know, two days during camp, you could uh, tackle more during the week. Uh, I just think for USC now, you can't back off at all. You have to tackle as much as possible. You have to be as physical as possible. Whatever the rules allow, I think you have to do that at this point. So Curtis, yeah, it's it's great that we're hearing that kind of talk, but we haven't been able to watch yet. I wouldn't go go off and say, oh, the practice is going to be way harder than the games now because that's what a coach said. We've heard those things said before, and that certainly wasn't the case. Well, Curtis, uh, I've heard my players, and I talk to my players now, and some of my players are coaching now in high school, also the NFL and other places. Coach, uh, our practices were tougher than the games. You went one on, we went one on one every day, ones against ones, twos against twos. We had great players, so we got better. We don't just get better on Saturday. We look forward to the games. In fact, we were so physical, and the coaches were so much involved in it. You thought the coaches were going to fight each other at the same time. And we did have some fights on the field, not with coaches, but players, as far as uh, they're playing at full speed and their tempers are up and their coaches are yelling at them if they don't perform. And, and uh, you know, they would get in a little fisticuff with each other. Now, you don't want that necessarily, but sometimes it's good. They're not going to hurt each other. And sometimes when the same guys would fight all the time, I'd stop practice, say, you guys want to fight? Well, when I was at Vegas, I'd say, let's see if any of you are any good. Maybe I can get you to, in the ring. I'll call Bob Arum over there at top rank. And you guys want to be a boxer rather than a football player. And we all watch him play and fight. And it's not a fight, no kicking, none of that. They'd hurt themselves, their hands, before they'd hurt anybody else. But that's what you call competing. And sportsmanship, no. And then I, you know, give them some type of penalty for doing that. But I didn't want them to take that anger into the locker room and fight in the locker room or somewhere else and get in trouble or really hurt themselves. But you've got to push your players to a point when they understand what competing is and getting after it on the practice field. So it's really important that you get your player to that level so they know what intensity is and they know what it is to play and their coaches are teaching them that. So, you know, and you might think that, oh, uh, he's, he's, uh, I don't have any feeling for my players. Hey, nobody loves the players more. And I love my players or the coaches love their players. And I, I'll tell you, I have stories when I used to walk down the coach's office uh, 
that I look around and there's some players in one coach's office, there's five players in his office. He can't even get any work done. You know why? Those players love him. And he's probably the one that's on their case more than anybody else. And you go to some other offices, you don't see anybody in there. Now, that bothered me. Why aren't his players in there loving him? So I would think about what's he doing that they don't like about him and so on. So there's a lot of psychology and a lot of thoughts in the game of coaching football and getting the full potential out of your players. Yeah, you want to get that. And I I love that if you're seeing players in a coach's office, that's a good sign. If you're not seeing any players, that's a bad sign. That makes a lot of sense, Coach. Um, We had a question from Tito. He wrote in, just an observation. I've been watching Texas football, and I believe that Todd Orlando was not the issue at Texas. I was comparing the defense in 2017 with Todd Orlando versus 2020 Chris Ash. In my opinion, Todd has had really good defenses. Unfortunately, injuries did not help Orlando last year. I'm excited to watch a Todd Orlando defense. I see some potential for the defense to be great. Thoughts from Tito? Well, I I tend to agree with you. I, I think he was a scapegoat. Okay. One of the new things now in college coaching and NFL coaching, if your offense doesn't work, your defense doesn't work, you blame it on your assistants. I think they fired this morning the defensive coordinator at Tennessee. Okay, Defensive line coach. Defensive defensive line line coach. coach. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they can't score points, so you fire the defensive line coach. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's, it's sort of uh, a trend today, okay, that it's somebody else's fault, and Tom Herman has the hammer near him. So he made changes on both sides of the football. You don't see them playing that much better. I think they're, what, 2-2 two and two or 2-1, two and one, I think. I don't know. And they won a close game, a couple of close games. But it's all players and philosophy and driving and the kids wanting to play for you. Kids have got to want to play for you. They want you to sell. They like you. They like what's going on. They work their butts off for you. you know They know that you care about them. They want to go out there and they want to perform. They want to win because they like you and they like what you stand for and so on. So if you have any knowledge of the game and you have great players, you should win. If you have a lot of knowledge in the game and their players are better than you, you don't have too good a shot, okay? So it's a combination of being great, be a great coach with kids want to play for you. But those kids got to have ability to play at a certain level where you could become a good coach and stay as a good coach. So it's a, it's really a combination. It's not as easy what people think. But uh, if you're doing right, like Nick Saban, who can lose more assistant coaches than Nick Saban? Every year he loses ex- assistant coaches. They become head coaches, and every week they're playing against him. But he brings these new coaches in. And I, I want to congratulate Steve Sarkeesian on the job that he did this past Saturday. I thought he did a great job as far as uh, against Georgia. He brings these guys in. He teaches them football. They're on his staff. He pays them well. And he, what, is they, what do they do? They coach great players. They coach great players. And from that, they win football games. And from that, they get head coaching jobs. So it's all the same story and uh, where you are and who you're working for and the great players you have around you. Yeah. All right, Coach, we got one last uh, question uh, from our friend Don. Projection. So he wants to know which record is most likely for USC, 7-0 and or 4-3? and He says, I feel a big letdown coming on this team. Now, Don, 
is usually our pessimistic, you know, Curtis is on the optimistic side. Don is always on the pessimistic side, but what would you say coach seven and O or four and three? Most likely. Most likely seven and O. Yeah. If they're not seven and O, I would uh, be very disappointed. I'm being honest with everybody there. Uh, if they can get by ASU, they should win their other games. I'm just telling you that right now. Well, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to lose to those other teams. No excuse. The schedule has been set up for them, okay? It's been set up for them to win their games and play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, okay? And if they don't win beat Arizona State, it's going to be Arizona State, okay? So it's all right there. Now all they need to do is not talk about it or talk about how great everybody's doing, but get out and get it done. So that they can really feel good about the off season going into the next season, 2021. Yeah. Coach, I agree with you hundred percent. I think, um, so for seven and oh, obviously you got to beat Arizona state. And then the next hardest game is going to be on the road at Utah, but I've seen just Utah's lost a lot. They do develop players. Well, I think that's going to be a tough one for the Utes. Um, just so much firepower for USC. Uh, and they Utah didn't, even with all the talent they had last year, didn't look good against the most talented team, Oregon. You know, USC beats them with a backup quarterback, and uh, they looked really bad against Texas. So the, the teams that have, like, the high rank, you know, the top 10 recruiting classes that they played, Utah didn't look good. And now you got less talent to compete against that. So I agree with you. I think ASU is going to be, you know, with a team that got to practice as much as they did uh, in the offseason – bringing a bunch of talent back. They are working in new coordinators, but um, that's a that's a talented team. That's a team on the rise. Another good returning quarterback. So that's someone I think that can give USC a game. But I think it's much more likely. I mean, to, to picture losing to Arizona or to UCLA or to Colorado or Washington State, it's just really hard to picture right now. I mean, it's almost like four guaranteed wins. So for four and three scenario, you have to lose to Arizona State, then lose to Utah, and then lose, and by that time, you're not going to be in the Pac-12 championship game, so you're going to play someone from the north that's not Oregon or you know, whoever wins, and you got to lose that one as well. Now, the, the north's tougher, so I could see, you know, maybe it's a Cal matchup or something. Um, I think that's possible, but to me, 7-0 is just, it's more likely. That's what really should happen. I, I'm, I'm saying this team should go 6-0 on the schedule they have. I think 5-1 and is more likely that they stumble someplace. But uh, I, I have a hard time seeing four and three, Coach. No, I, you know, I, if you go four and three, I'd go out and put the for sale out right yes. out in my yard. I'd go out and say, honey, we're moving. Uh, where are you moving? I don't know, but we better put it to sign up. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Well, I mean, look at the teams that are removed from the original schedule. You have Notre Dame that's gone. You have Alabama that's gone. You have Oregon that's gone. You have Washington that's gone. Cal and Stanford, all those teams are gone, right? It's almost like if you had this, like, a 12-course dinner, and you're like, okay, we're going to take away the filet mignon, we're going to take away the garlic mashed potatoes, we're going to take away the, I mean, what you're just not left with much uh, here. So as far as the schedule goes, it's almost like you lopped it in half, took the hardest part, and threw it away, and you just, you're left with the, the easy part. And... There's just no excuse for this team that, that, you know, the rankings came out from 24-7 Sports last week. It's still the most talented roster in the Pac-12. Um, you're the most talented team. You retooled your coaching staff. You got the whole, you're on the defensive side, you got a new special teams coordinator. You should improve there. 
You got a second year, you know, genius offensive coordinator guy, uh, and all this talent coming back. There's no reason like four and three. You're right. Coach put up the four sale sign. There's something seriously wrong. If this team was four and three. Well, that's the way I feel. And I just answered his question. He'd asked me just to give him my opinion and that's my opinion. All right. Well, coach, great stuff. Thanks again. Uh, always fun talking to you. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. I can't wait to uh, get in there and, and actually see some games, but uh, good stuff. Thanks coach. Well, thank you very much. And for everyone that calls in or listens, we thank you very much. Remember, it's just our opinion. You have your opinion. And this is what makes it such a great game. Yeah, it's a great game and a great show. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's always fun talking to you, Coach. That's the Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.